On our latest episode of RVA Real Estate Talk, we will be reviewing hot chicks. We will be talking what it takes to get into the rental market and what it takes to start selling real estate. You're listening to RVA Real Estate Talk with Jared Davis and Galen Parker, your source for an honest, insightful look into Central Virginia's real estate market. Combined, Jared and Galen have over 20 years sales experience, as well as hundreds of testimonials from clients past and present who rely on them for advice and assistance when buying and selling homes in today's incredibly hot and competitive real estate market. And now, your hosts, Jared Davis and Galen Parker. I am Jared Davis. And this is Galen Parker. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm loving this music we got going on right now. I know. I'm about to drop an RVA real estate freestyle one day. <laughs> that oh. I would like to see. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm out on that. What's new with you, my friend? Uh, I am getting ready to head to the beach for 18 days. Come oh. hurricane or not. Last year I was evacuated uh, via hurricane, but this year I'm just going to wait it out and see what happens. Another storm's coming, isn't it? There's a storm, bro. Man, it must be nice to get away for 18 days. Well, uh, you live in a mansion, so it's pretty much a vacation every time I come over here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Studio 77. Hurricane Dorian is the name. Yeah? Um, isn't Dorian like a character from like the Dorian Gray series? Does that sound familiar to anybody else? Yeah. Anybody else nerds? I have no idea what that even any, is. Any other nerds? Well, nerds you, you listening. Gotta, you gotta have kids to understand. I have no clue. I've got kids. several He's apparently kids. just into that. Okay. I've got no kids. Just for the record, I have no kids. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm claiming. Uh, I, I'm curious. I'm heading to New York this weekend, so half of the Davis group, it looks like, is going to be out of town, unfortunately. Technically, I don't even know we can say half the Davis group in there. There's like eight of us now. Yeah, but well, so Kat is my assistant, and so she'll be with you guys, right? Right, right. And you'll be gone, I'll be gone. Mike? Mm, I'll be here. Not you, the Mike. Other Mike. Mike's not a part of the Davis group. <laughs> the other Mike. We, we just, you're lucky we let you be on here. <laughs> Michael Henry. We got we to spread it up. Mike, Mike Resendez. I, I just, get a, I just get a discount for letting Mike come on the podcast. It's, <laughs> now everyone else is going to be like, what? <laughs> That's right. We yeah. want him on our podcast, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right, cool. What are we talking about today? Uh, looks like we're going to be talking a little bit about rentals. We already mentioned we went to Hot Chick, which was amazing. Mm. Fried chicken. Oh, man, who doesn't love it? Especially we got right now that chicken craze where everyone's going to Popeye's and Bojangles and Chick-fil-A and Wendy's, and I've gone to none of them. But uh, I actually did go to Chick-fil-A I the like other day. I like Chick-fil-A. Have uh, you tried the Popeye's thing yet? I don't like waiting in lines. <sighs> there's I, actual lines for this thing? It's like around, like everyone you go to, there's like a line around the building. I'm not waiting in any line, especially for fast food. Have you had one, Mike? No. Is it that good, really? I don't know. I mean, Chick-fil-A's got lines around the building every day. Well, that's every Maybe day. Except I should, for I should Sunday. Sunday. Well, that's where Popeye is making its money. <laughs> Maybe All I'm... of these businesses are flourishing because they're that's open right. on Sundays. People need chicken on Sunday, too. So we did our own uh, our own uh, chicken test. We'll talk about that a little bit later. About going Maybe to I should tricks. send my daughter to uh, stand in line and then try some. There Child you go. labor laws. Do what you want, bro. That's right. Well, we we'll are talking about rentals, like Galen said. Uh, we get so many people calling us asking about buying their first rental property whether it be single family multifamily so we really want to deep dive today and break down what does it really take to start buying some single family houses or some multifamilies whatever it is to build your portfolio uh, do it a little bit different than the typical 401k or retirement plan uh, really talk about how that will grow your wealth and then we will finish up 
with talking about what it takes to get into real estate. We, like Galen said, our team has grown. We have had a lot of people calling lately about getting into real estate. So uh, probably at least once a week, someone calls me and asks about getting in the business. So we will shed some harsh reality on that. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of messages from uh, people on Facebook, which I love. I get tons of messages, and that often is one where people saying like, "Well, you know, how do I get started?" I also get a lot of questions of people asking me if I do rentals. Um, mm. And I always say yes, but I think we're definitely talking about two different things. They're thinking we'll about like sell you rental. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I'll help you buy a rental that I sold you. Yeah, but no one does rentals here. It's rent, you get really like a hundred bucks. I think <laughs> yeah. if you like bring someone over to a rental, so yeah. So that's what's going on today. So let us jump right into our foodie review. Hot chicks. I love the name. What is it, Galen? So Hot Chicks, I love the fact that if you go to the Hot Chicks website there, uh, first thing that comes up, it's like a fried chicken story, which I love that because that's just like a funny premise because it makes me think of Star Wars. <laughs> but anyway, so Hot Chicks is a restaurant in, again. Uh, down in the bottom that we went to yesterday. We were feeling chicken, um, all these chicken competitions. I went to Nomad's Deli yesterday as well to test out because they were like, we well, got a chicken sandwich too. So that was... <laughs> pretty good so you should feel free to go through there but That's then we went to hot chicks um it wasn't a big line uh super amazing super succulent we hit it at the right time yeah exactly. we hit it like right when right half the hour was starting i think so no one was really in there if you don't know um it's a it's a restaurant group that owns a lot of different restaurants in richmond you've probably heard or been to some or all of them um boulevard burgers and brew food dog Fatty Smokes, Red Salt, Osaka, Wild Ginger, uh, PBR of Richmond, Fat Dragon, Beijing on Grove, just to name a few. Uh, They own a lot of different restaurants. So this is one of their latest creations. It's completely unique uh, versus everything else they have going on. And that's exactly what it is. It's a fried chicken sandwich. Uh, restaurant, but they also do chicken plates. So what did, what did you get? I got the Memphis Sweet Heat, which was pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, like pickles, ranch, spicy. Um, I love when they give you like a chicken breast and it's not like all breaded because that will make me furious. But this was like almost all breast and I was dying. I was loving so much. And then we also got um, like the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Yeah, there were Cheddar Bay the honey Biscuits butter, and honey, had butter. Honey, well, honey Butter makes honey everything butter. incredible. Honey butter. Delicious, succulent. Um, definitely. That's twice we said succulents. You know it's good. <laughs> so you right. know it's good, Richmond. And there's not but so many places to get cheddar biscuits unless you want to go to like Red Lobster, I guess, for I don't know why. And I'm not saying somebody, don't do that. Somebody, but no, I will. Don't I don't do think that. anybody from Red Lobsters. We're, we're landlocked a little, so I'm, I'm a little. <laughs> where are you guys getting the lobster <laughs> that's, from? That's right. Where's, where's Richmond getting all this lobster? That's right. So if you want some some better cheddar biscuit alternatives. They're, <laughs> they're huge, they're, too. They were. They gave you three big discus, discus of cheddar, uh, discus. Cheddar, cheddar biscuits with honey butter. Delicious. I had the fried chicken plate. Uh, you can choose white meat or dark meat or mix it up. They give you a side. Uh, it was good. I had the honey mustard with it. I thought the honey mustard was... Uh, really good. I think they make it in-house, or at least it seems like they make it in-house. Here is my take-home. Somebody told me this yesterday. I asked them if they had been. I had just come from it. It was good. Uh, their feedback, I think the more I think about it, is my feedback. They said, chicken sandwiches there, great. Love them. Good. Fried, right. chicken, fried chicken meal, I'd rather get fried chicken somewhere else. 
Okay. So here, here is my thought. And I told you this at the restaurant. I thought the fried chicken was good. But if you ever just drive down Beach Road or Winter Park or somewhere out in the country, Fair you enough. see your nice little gas stations, your country stores, and they have their, their chicken, fried chicken, their wedges, their tenders. I feel like you can get some, you know, incredible fried chicken. Someone's that, grandma made that. Exactly. And that, and to me, it's it's not taking away from the chicken. It was good. But I don't feel like I necessarily have to go out to Hot Chicks to, to, get, to get that experience. Okay. But... Like the sandwiches were great. The sandwich was phenomenal. And they have, I want to say it's like six or seven, eight different options. Let's I see think what Galen's we got, got the menu. Here. So obviously I'm prepared. They got the hot chick, classic chicken, Cali chicken, sticky chicken, smoke show. Uh, that was also my nickname in college. Uh, the <laughs> Buffalo Soldier. It's all gravy, baby. And then it caps off with a delicious Memphis sweet heat, is which I enjoyed. The chicken is right. I agree with you. Remember when Hardee's used to make fried chicken? Mm. When it came out, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, like Hardee's fried chicken. Hardee's, I don't know why they stopped making it. Their chicken was like amazing. And I thought KFC was going to go out of business. But for one day, they were just like, yeah, we don't want to do this anymore. Does Hardee's so not make fried chicken anymore? I don't think so. Is not that... like that anymore. Is Mike, there... Goop, no, what, what, what's, the, so. uh, what's the official Are they just verdict? burgers now? I mean, I don't, I don't eat fast. Mike's food calling like Hardee's right now. Yeah, yeah. We can. No, we can, no, get no, a, no, can you no, get no, someone on no. Hardee's on the line? We go to the drive-through, see what you can get, and report back in twenty. We'll, we'll be into we'll our wait, deep dive we'll at that. Wait, guys we'll, up. we'll be finishing the deep dive when you get back. We'll, we'll wait. Yeah. So no, it was good. So I would say Richmond, go out to get hot chicks. I would. It's, it's worth a try. Also, where, where is this at again? Where is it at? Down at Shaco Bottoms on Seventeenth Street. Yeah. So where they redid the new farmers market down there, it's right in the farmers market. That was my next thing. I was saying like when I was in college and you went down to Seventeenth Street, you would only do it in the light of day because it was not a great idea or you go to alley cats because i work there but now you go down there we walked out it was like six o'clock there was like a hundred people doing yoga big, you know your city's changed when people are doing yoga big outside. yoga party right in the market uh, literally a hundred people and it was about to storm i didn't understand what's going on but i'm like that's how you know the city has shifted in a direction of profitability profitability <laughs> were you gonna jump in the yoga party like oh maybe i'm not does. the person you want to see doing yoga i'm, I'm not be i'm not looking you. at game downward dog no ever. it's like my legs will snap like <laughs> Hey, uh, chicken wing. How you got, wing. got the, a chicken sandwich in your mouth? Yeah, yeah. I'm reeking of ranch dressing and spices. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen Galen in person, but he is. Uh, he's he's. I'm he's, 600 pounds. <laughs> he's definitely not. But he's definitely. I, I'm not the leotard man. He's, I'm an he American-sized male. He could protect me if I needed it. He, I worked security for many years in college. More like a linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. Than a yoga. Than the ladies a yoga love enthusiast. it. I love I'm not, it. I'm not. I'm not really worried I'm about it. I'm just as happy about it. But yeah, I'm like that. Yoga. That's not a great, great fit for me. And I'm like eating meat, and I'm pretty sure everyone who does yoga is vegan. So I'm like <laughs> chewing on fried chicken. Like, hey guys. That seems like a broad generalization. We'll go with it. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, that sounds fair. Don't get offended. All yeah. right. So hot chicks. Try it out. Try out any of their other restaurants as well. They're yeah. great. But. Uh, we should do a tour of their restaurants next time. We should. As always, if there's a restaurant you want to hear us talk about, it doesn't even have to be in Richmond. Someone told me about uh, the restaurant out at Barbersville Vineyard uh, this past week. They said it's like an Italian restaurant. It's one of their favorite restaurants to go eat at. So I put it on my list. So if there's anything that you got, even if it's outside of Richmond, you want us to review it. I keep a list. Someone sent me one today. They said Park Lane Tavern they okay. wanted us to go to. There you I go. got that today. So maybe that's our next one. So yeah, feel free to throw that in. So at this point, we will jump into our deep dive. Rentals. Next time we do the deep dive, I want to hear a splash sound. Can we just put that on the note for next year? Deep drive splash sound. I'll put a note down. All right, rentals. Sorry. All right, write that down, Mike. Cool. Very good. Um, So, anyways, rentals. 
We get a lot of calls from people on a regular basis asking what it takes to start buying up properties. They see their friends doing it. They see uh, HGTV. They see they start Googling Investopedia. If you just look at Facebook now, all you see is buy houses with no money down. Maybe when you're riding around on the radio, you hear the seminars that come to Richmond and talk about buying houses. With no with, money at know, all. Come with, see me for two hours. Yeah, Exactly. And buy $5,000 in books when you're done. Yeah. Yep. So you get all this stuff. So we really just want to shed some light on what it takes, things to look for. Um, it's not as daunting as you think it is. Some people think, do I need to have hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars in the bank to start getting into this? Um, obviously, it would help. That would hurt. But um, yeah. it's not necessary, and there's some strategies we're going to outline that for a beginning investor uh, can maybe give you some perspective. So first things first, I want to touch base and ask Galen, because right, uh, you've done some research. I know we've, we all deal with investors, but yeah. what do you think people need to be looking for if they're new to investing? If this is their first purchase, most likely they're looking at a single-family home, but we'll talk about for some sure. multifamilies and for commercial sure. properties as well. Um, what do you think is crucial? What I've been telling people, I said, you know, rental, super lucrative investment strategy, great idea, but it's not a get rich quick, you know, play. You're not going to do that really quick. But I mean, there's certain slow things. Burn. Yeah, it's a slow burn. Um, there's certain things you want to look for. I always think about location and some people, they're thinking, oh, maybe I need to a nice neighborhood or not as nice. It's really dependent on you. It really depends on your strategy as far as what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to want to know, like, you know, are there other rentals in the area? What are those rentals going for? Um, schools, is this going to be something that's going to attract people who need to rent? People who don't live in an apartment building anymore, but they're trying to build up, uh, you know, they're, everyone's working towards the goal of buying a house. And so uh, these are some of the things that you want to check out. Like, if, have the home properties increased in a certain area? Are they appealing to you as an investor and also as a person who's looking to rent? So yep. there's some things I always tell people to look at. Yeah. And then, I mean, again, you got a lot of things to think about depending on what you rent out. You could rent out something that's maybe in a in a lower income area, possibly. Maybe it's a, maybe an up and coming neighborhood, and maybe you're dealing with some maybe Section Eight tenants. Sure. You yeah. know. And the good thing about that is that the government's paying help you. you. You're not gonna you know have a late payment. Really. Yeah. You know what I mean. So stuff like that is is very good. Uh, on the flip side, maybe you're looking for a higher rental rate. Maybe you want to get into an, a bigger neighborhood, a nicer neighborhood. Uh, maybe it's even just an area you think would appreciate more over time. Who knows? So when you do decide to sell one day. Yeah. But then you also got to think about, hey, when this tenant leaves, how big is the house? What kind of house is it? How much work am I going to have to put back into it to get it tenant ready? Which brings us into another thing to look at, which is cash flow. Right? Cash flow. Right. And talk to me about that a little. Um, cash is king. You're always going to have as much cash, but um, you don't need, as we mentioned, some people are like, oh, do I need like to have $100,000? The average person's probably not going to have, you know, $100,000 that's liquid that they can kind of, you know, just play with. But there are a lot of people that have, you know, they've gotten inheritances, gifts, they've saved up money. And so having a cash is better. So I'll ask you the question because people always ask, is it better to finance it or is it better to have cash? What do you think, Jerry? So there's that's there's two different strategies there. I personally, again, everybody's different. I have people that buy properties and they'll only buy cash because they just don't like spreading themselves too thin or having any risk associated with owing money to anybody. But I like the idea of financing properties. Uh, let's just give the hypothetical and say you've got, in this scenario, $200,000, right? Straight cash, you want to invest it. Well, you could go buy a $100,000 house, buy two of them cash, and you're cash flowing completely on them. Or you could buy $200,000 property and cash flow on that. 
But do you think that same $200,000 could be put down into, say, 20% into a, you know, million-dollar building, you know, $800,000 building? And now not only do you have hopefully the same amount of cash flow, if not maybe more cash flow. See, what you're looking at is one thing, your cash-on-cash return. But you're also looking at now you have something to write off. You've got expenses. You've got a mortgage that's paying itself down. So on top of your cash flow, you have principal being paid down. That's not the case if you were to just go pay cash. Even from a single family perspective, you think if you bought $100,000 houses, you could go buy $10,000 houses at 20% down pretty much. So I I really do think for someone that wants to grow it to a greater scope, uh, leveraging and using other people's money is always a better option if the rates are good, depending on the market. Rates are Um, good. But obviously there's some safety there to say, hey, I'm going to buy this thing cash, not owe anybody anything. And uh, make your money there. So I always think there's probably questions that people need to ask themselves when they're going to stuff like that. Like, you know, how much or can, how much is the rent going to be over the 12 months? What are the expenses going to be? Because these are things that people kind of a lot of times forget about. Yeah. They're like, what is this going to cost me? So what were you, what were you about to say? So you move and flinching? No, that's exactly right. I mean, you think about it. If you were using that same $200,000 scenario and you bought a $200,000 house financing, um, you think, let's just say... Let's just say you put 20% down on a $200,000 house, right? Your mortgage payment's probably going to be $1,600, $1,700, you know, maybe a little bit less, I guess. Um, but ultimately, you may not even clear the rent on that, right? So you're just at a loss with your money down. So your cash on cash, even if it was only 20%, just really wasn't worth it to put that money down. Versus if you put 200000 in cash, you know you're going to cash flow it uh, automatically. But... That brings me to the thought of, you know, people are needing a 1031 money a lot of times nowadays. They're Talk selling stuff. That. So 1031. Most people don't know what that is. We should, we should literally just do a podcast on this one day. So we won't, <laughs> we won't do like a, a huge breakdown on it. But essentially, if somebody sells rental real estate or any kind of property and it's not a primary residence, they have to pay taxes or capital gains on the sale. Um, to avoid those capital gains, you can do what's called a 1031 exchange. It'll let you sell that house out. And, or whatever the property is, when you take that cash, you get what's called an identification period, time to find the next property, and then you get a certain amount of time to close on the property. But essentially, once you roll it in, it, it keeps you from having to pay those capital gains taxes. Eventually, though, when you do go to... Yeah, let's say so you're you 10 will. properties down the line, you finally sell and cash out, you will have to pay those gains. But the flip side of it is you'll see people that maybe they don't care as much about that cash on cash return or their cap rates on the total return if they know they have to 1031 money into something and they only have a little bit of time. But if you're sitting on cash and you're not doing a 1031, you got a little more time to strategize and figure out, okay, how do I want to put this money out? So I got a question. Okay. If when buying your first, say, rental property and you have good credit, you, you know, have cash to, you know, 50 grand to put towards it or whatever, you are, have a great job, you're married, you have kids and all that, and you just want to try to get into it. How do the how does the bank look at you with all your other assets you have when you're trying to buy another house to flip? That is a good question. So yeah. it's really going to work pretty much like it's going to work on a standard loan if you were going to buy a residence to live in. The difference is that because it's an investment, typically your interest rate's just going to be a little bit higher. Um, but as far as the standards go, they're still going to be looking at a debt-to-income ratio. So if you have uh, a mortgage that you're already in on a house on, your bills, they're going to take all that into account when you purchase that house. So it'd be good to kind of set yourself up to where you only have 
say, 20% debt or 30% debt or something like that? Well, so it depends because another thing you have to realize is that for a lot of these properties, they'll even take into account if the properties are currently leased or what the lease uh, value would be. So if you have a lease that's going on, they will actually cancel out the debt to income strategy a lot of times. Depending on the layout and the structure of the loan, they'll look at it as income. But ultimately, they want to make sure that you're going to be able to float that payment should it be vacant for you know a long amount of time. So um, a couple different things to take into account with that. Does area make, make a difference? Mm, really, I don't think the area makes a difference as much as the appraised value on it. So, uh, like, for example, we own an apartment building, and one of the properties that we own, essentially with commercial l- lending, uh, they'll tell you that they have to make X amount of percent over the monthly mortgage, or they can take that property from you. So, even if you're paying the mortgage on time <laughs> every month, if you're not making a certain net above the rentals, like if you were just, let's say, paying it at a loss each time, but you paid it, they could still take that building and foreclose on it. So um, it's not something that normally happens, but with any commercial contract, they give they have that provision. So, and um, when you think about location, as you mentioned, I mean, it can be anywhere. I mean, it you you really just have to look. You know, what is the best value for you? Because you can find you know really nice neighborhoods. I saw someone doing like some rentals up in like Brander Mill and Woodlake, and then also you think of other. Uh, Areas that might be, you know, lower uh, income areas that still great opportunities to you know, make an investment. Well, I also think you have to think. Oh, so if I'm the person that owns the house and I'm renting it out, is there association fees? Is there things that I have to roll over into the actual Your rent- carrying costs? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with condos and townhouses, uh, you got to figure out: can I even rent them? Sometimes the HOAs won't allow you to rent them, but then if you can, yeah, you're, you're factoring in those HOA fees. Uh, into whatever they that want rent's going to so be. so many of their of the individual units to be rented. They want to have a good amount of them to have actual owner occupants. So yeah, a lot of, for that stuff too. A lot of condos are only twenty to thirty percent renters. Some are, are non actually. We just sold one the other day that is literally it allows zero percent renters. Everything is owner occupant. So, um, but you did bring that out. I mean, one of the big things is cash flow again. So, how are you going to purchase this property? Everything is backing the numbers to see how much money am I putting out versus what I'm getting back. So there's two ways to look at it. If you buy cash, you're looking at what's my percentage return on the entire investment. If I, you know, spent 200 grand cash and it makes me twenty thousand dollars a year after all expenses, that's a 10 percent return on my investment. It's a 10 percent cap rate, right? But if I'm only putting 20 percent down, that's forty thousand down. Now I don't care as much about that cap rate on the total values. I care about well, what's this forty thousand dollars that I put in making me? So, um, as opposed to what it would make you if you left it somewhere else. Yeah, or or if, again, or if you just paid cash versus versus financing it out. So if you're cash on cash, you know maybe the the building is, let's say a nine or ten cap. It makes ten percent of the the purchase price, right? But when you put that cash in as a down payment, you're making say thirteen percent on the cash. Well, your, your return rate's actually better if you just finance it in and then you have your write-off. So these are all things to look at. These are things we can help you with without getting into too many complications. Um, another thing that I just want to... I was wanna, saying cash on cash to me more times. I know. That's right. <laughs> They're like, what does that mean? No, cash on cash on cash. That's right. I got I to gotta watch my terms for everybody anyway. So uh, another thing to bring out is, is just a strategy because people start wondering, well, how much money do I need to really start doing this? Uh, you know, if you're going to go buy, let's say, a $90,000 to $120,000 rental property, uh, 20%, 25% down. So you think if you had, let's say, twenty dollars to $30,000 in the bank, you could technically buy your first rental property. Um, but I want to go a step further. And Take us deep. Let's just say you had forty dollars to $50,000 to invest, okay? 
a good strategy that many people are doing today is what's called cashback refinancing. And you could do this if you had enough cash to buy everything or even if you wanted to finance it up front. But what will happen is you'll find a property uh, that maybe needs a little bit of work to get it rental ready. So what is the average cost do you think would it cost, that we are putting out all the time to get something ready? That is a very tough question to nail down. But let's just say it's a typical small brick rancher somewhere yeah. in Richmond, uh, typically fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to get it rental ready. Yeah. Um, so my rule of thumb is, let's say you could buy a house for about eighty thousand dollars, seventy to eighty thousand, and you know that with twenty thousand you could get it fully rental ready, almost not necessarily full flip standards for like fully renovated, but but close, right? So Pretty you're nice. in it for yeah. say less than a hundred thousand. So you'd put your twenty percent down at the eighty thousand, sixteen thousand dollars plus some closing costs, and you know you got to throw your fifteen to twenty in. So really, if you had about fifty thousand dollars, you could realistically make this happen, right? That's but, too like for me as a person. That's like really tight, as in like the unknown. So if I'm like fifty thousand, that's it. If I go anymore, you know, and you're into it, you're like you're gonna be. Well, really, really screwed. So that's why I'd say that you have investment or you have uh, inspection periods when you go to buy the house most of the time, depending on what you buy. So make sure to bring your contractors out. Make sure you get your numbers nailed down. But here's here's the real point. This is where it can turn into a lot of value for people over time. If you've done that and you run your numbers, and this is where a good realtor comes in or just knowing the market well comes in. If I know that if I buy a house for eighty and put twenty in, and now I know that it's worth say one hundred and thirty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, what most investors will do is they'll put out that money. And once it's done, they get a tenant in place, they do a refinance, a cashback refinance. And at that point, what they'll do is they will take their money back out of it because the new value of the house is forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 more than they paid. So they just pull their cash back out that they invested. So that original forty to fifty that you invested in is now back in your bank account. You have a property with a loan that's $30,000 less than it's worth. So you got $30,000 in instant equity and your cash flowing. And see, now you can go buy your next one. So that doesn't. You can do that in like the net, like when all said and done, you don't have to wait a year or six months. Nope. Or? There's there's some banks that will make you wait, but there's plenty out there that will do a cashback refi instantly. Yeah. So you you pretty much get the house, try to turn it over within a month, get a tenant in it, cashback refi, take your money back out, go do another one. Now you can scale that as fast as you want, but just for somebody maybe they're listening in, they're wanting they wanting to get into this, they've got some cash, they're saying I don't want to throw it all into a SEP IRA every year or Roth or whatever it may be. Think about it this way. If you could do that two times a year, $50,000 investment, pick up two rental houses a year, let's say you want your cash flow to be $300 to $400 a month on each house, right? That's $800 a month in rental income that you're going to pick up first year. You do that each year. After year five, this is a strategy a lot of guys use. When they hit the year six, they've got 10 properties now, all cash flowing them four or 500 bucks a month. They're making four or $5,000 a month now. But now they start selling back their first two houses, right? Remember, you had $30,000 or $40,000 in equity in each house. So that means by the time you've paid down some principal, the markets come up, you sell two houses a year, that's $100,000 in your pocket, plus four to $5,000 a month cash flow, $150,000 a year, and you just keep buying two houses a year. So you always hold 10 houses, you always sell two houses, and you've got a steady stream coming in. Now, obviously, 
Sounds easy on a podcast. <laughs> Market conditions can change things. Everything can change. Rates can change. But overall, it's a really good strategy. It's one that's been around for a long time, and a lot of people use it. Uh, other people just want to stack doors, and they want to hold them forever. They don't want to sell them. So Five-year growth, yeah. That's it. But what's, it the, uh, what's the average cost of a rental property manager? If, say, you have starting to get... You're on your third year and you have five homes. That's a really good question. And, and I'll preface it this way. Sometimes you have one home and you just don't want to deal with people calling you at two in the morning, telling you to come fix a leaky toilet. So at the end of the day, build that into your cost. And uh, <laughs> How much is your time worth? Exactly. And so a typical property manager is going to be anywhere from about 6 to 10% a month of, of the gross income that it's bringing in. So if, if you're getting $12,000 a year in rents. you rinse, can find a retired uncle that's great at fixing things you could you could pay got some, uncle mike you, in you the could, house that's right you yeah. could pay somebody on the side to do it i you mean can fix your compressor your hvac and all those things yeah possibly. i mean i'll be honest I, I put a property manager on every property we own it's just one of those things it's a whole nother business in itself and you just build that in if it's not a good investment with a property management if you take that seven eight ten percent out and it's not a profitable purchase don't do it find one that is um unless you really want to become a landlord and if you're trying to build a lot of properties, what you're going to realize is when you get to 15, 20 doors, you really do not want to be taking those calls and trying to collect those rents. Collecting so, rents, um, finding, following up on individuals. So th- those are all things you're going to factor in. You're going to factor in management fees, monthly expenses, vacancy rates, right? You're going to have some vacancies. People are going to move out. You're going to have to turn over. So you're going to have to fix up things after people move out. That's it. So, so you, if you run this as a business and so like commercial properties – they get a usually a tax break if the property is vacant at the end of the year. There's a different bracket. Do you does that apply also with homes? Do I get a tax break if the property is vacant? Like they heard I read somewhere where there's properties that are like buildings that are empty, and they just cut. They do a loss. Well, so either way, not, yeah, either way, you're going to take a loss. I don't know if the vacancy means anything in that, but if you got a property that's not rented for a few months and that's $3,000 you lost in income because of that, I mean, obviously that's all factoring into your expenses versus your profits, but um, that's more of a CPA question. I'm sure they can figure out how to structure yeah. everything. In the and the they calculators. Do, well, and they do depreciation, right? So depending on what you right. buy, typically they're going to right. do depreciation. I let my CPA handle all that. I would not do a podcast about depreciation on properties without one of them we on here. We should bring in your CPA. We should do that. He's, he's fantastic. So uh, anyway, so to keep that in mind, um, another thing to keep in mind, again, we're going to wrap this up soon. Hopefully we'll, we'll come back to it because I think it's a really good subject. But um, residential versus multifamily versus commercial. A lot of times people ask me, what if I could buy a duplex or a quadplex, have two to four units in one purchase, maybe even live in a unit? How does that work out? Um, Rule of thumb, most people don't realize this. Anything under four units is actually a residential property purchase still. So you can go buy a duplex, a triplex, a quad, and you can get normal just financing on it essentially. And if it's just an investment, it's standard investment financing. Anything over four units, you're moving into a commercial loan and then your structure is going to change. You're going to be on five-year terms, um, typically some more money down, your interest rates are going to change. Um, everything starts changing at that point. But if you have any questions on that, you can reach out to us. We can kind of break that down. If you have questions on 1031 exchanges, uh, anything we've talked about today, for sure, try to reach out to us. Uh, we put a small dent in this subject, but uh, I, I love this subject. So I would love to get back into it in another podcast and and really expand on it. And if you have questions, f- feel free to put them up and we'll answer them later. Well, I see a lot of properties before they even get to the market and see the condition of them so my head is always like "Mm, would this be a good one 
And then like I think about it, and then it's too late. It's already yeah, well, and, and sometimes it can be daunting to see what, how much you have to do to a house, right? But at the end of the day, there's sites like uh, Rentopedia out there, I believe, or I think Rentometer. Sorry, Rentometer.com. If you're wondering, hey, what's if a there property? There isn't a Rentopedia. We should probably start. We one. should make, let, <laughs> hey, trademark that. Yes. Mike, trademark. Mike, 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 write that down. Rentopedia. Let's we own that now. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So uh, Rentometer.com. Yes. And, and Zillow, so you can see what's out there. That'll give you like a good gauge of what stuff's renting for in the area and what stuff has gone for. Um, so if you can look at that and then you can look at what's in the air, you can really start to break down uh, how, how much, much you're going to you need, yeah. how much is your mortgage going to be. Again, talk to a lender. We can break all that down for you. How much is the loan going to be if I loan out a hundred thousand um, dollars? How much rent am I going to get? You know, we'll break down vacancy losses. We'll break down uh, typical management fees, typical, um, maintenance fees, all that good stuff. And hopefully get you building a nice rental portfolio. You are your own retirement program that way. So I like that. That's the case. That I know. How much does the IRA pay out right now? It was like I was looking at some people were like in like three percent. I've never like looked because I don't like... want to cry myself to sleep at night. <laughs> to see what, I, I don't know. Cry me, cry me. <laughs> no thanks. I'm good on that. Yeah. So, so, anyways, any questions you have, please post them up. Let us know what we can answer for you at any of the links that you're hitting these on. Uh, if you're seeing it, thank on, you for it, listening. Says, Aruba, Canada. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. What's the what's the stats? We are international right now, ladies and gentlemen. We're going Aruba. We got Canada, New York, Maryland, because those are not really international places, but California. There's some folks in Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio. Uh, thank you to our friends in Arizona as well. That's right. Hey, any of you guys looking for investment properties West in Coast Virginia, Love. it is a good spot to buy right now. There is a lot of money to be made. So if you're in New York, if you're somewhere else wanting to buy here, we can definitely help you. We got... Plenty of guys that are out of state. Thinking about retiring and, and moving out of New York. That's you want right. to see how your much cash cheaper. flow. That's right. Much cheaper. Feel free here. to come talk to the kids. That's it. So we're, we're almost wrapping this thing up. We want to finish it off with just a short stint. We instead in the beginning, we want to talk about what it takes to get into real estate. Uh, our team is growing. We've got, I think, five buyer's agents now at the Davis Group. Um, continuing Cinco. to. And it seems like every week someone's calling and asking about getting into the business. How, how can I get into the business? Galen. What's happening? What kind of insight do you have for somebody that's looking to get their license? Um, you know, one, there's a lot of going in costs that you're probably going to have to really keep in mind because everyone's like, I want to go do real estate. I'm like, great. But just keep in mind that there's about four to five thousand dollars you're going to have to invest in yourself immediately and just get used to the feeling of writing checks that's outward. Right. That's right. Um, to get that hand, get that all tendered up because do you that's like going to be money. Yeah, exactly. It was like immediately first year, you're going to be losing money. But once you kind of get past that, um, obviously you're going to choose a reputable school, uh, get your license. I would say pour yourself into it because you don't want to have to take the test multiple times. Um, it'd be nice to try to get it your first time. Study. Um, all of the things that you're going to do will have nothing to do with real estate, is which every realtor exactly. will have to tell you. It's yeah. like all the things you'll study and you're like, oh, I need to know this. It's like, that's probably not something that's you're right. going to be. They teach you the stuff the lawyers need, the appraisers need, the title yeah. companies need. And then you're like, well, how do I sell How do I house? do my job? They're like, oh, yeah, that's not part of this. No, that's not not at all. But once you once you get into the RER, the Association of Realtors, you'll start doing the mandatory classes. They'll teach you how to write contracts. All so the one thing that I, I know that people kind of don't think about it is branding yourself. Of course, and Mike's going to plug himself here. Where could someone go <laughs> to differentiate themselves I'm via serious, media? I'm serious, though. Yeah. Besides, some good headshots. Even besides that, it's the fact that I keep seeing my picture age, show up on the Studio 77. 
don't oh, know that, what I signed. That must be Carrie. <laughs> I know Galen's not, yet to even I know Galen's not getting royalties off like, of that. What have I signed? <laughs> I love it though. But I mean, thanks, Carrie. You know, it's it's this day and age, people are not thinking about social media management, how to properly do social media right. And, right. You know, not all of these are costs. All, you know, these are the things that you it's time and and money, but. You know, it's, it's, there's signage, there's lock boxes, there's yeah. there's business cards, there's letterheads, there's websites, I mean, gas you're driving on your own dime now. Yeah, I mean you can get by, you can get by without a website for a little bit until you build up your portfolio and just run social media. You know, and then Michael talk to you about that. Yeah, so <laughs> no, get right away for a long period of time with that website, like, social media. Here's nowadays. the here's the bottom here's the bottom line. Almost nine out of ten people will fail out of real estate to try to get into it. It is one of the hardest businesses to get in and succeed in it. People think, oh well, I can get into this because I don't have to go to college for four years and I can get my license and I can do it on the side and all these people make so much money that I look at and watch on HGTV and million dollar HGTV, listing. Thank you. It is not an easy business. It is an actual business. So. Uh, there is knowledge that is needed. There's legal knowledge that so is needed. Don't even try. No, it's not. It's not that don't even <laughs> try. Just, try. I, I think just be real. I just don't butter it up. And obviously, we've grown our team based on the fact that I've still had these pointed conversations with people and let them know, hey, first year you're going to be building a pipeline. It may take you six, seven, eight months to write a contract. Uh, if you come to the Davis Group, maybe not. Galen wrote one, I think, in his first month or so. Our last guy just wrote one in his first two weeks. So um, they're doing great, obviously, but. Again, it, it's a expensive. Galen mentioned four or five thousand dollars before you even get the license. It's true. By the time you do the classes and you sign up for the RAR and you sign up for the MLS, definitely not to do it or start right off the bat in the height of the season. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't 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 have your I would, I don't would don't not. have your coming out of real estate party in Thanksgiving or yeah, Christmas. You want to wait for yeah. You might want to wait a little bit, you know. But so. if you have any questions on that, really, that's all I wanted to throw out. We get yeah. so many questions on it, so feel free to reach out to us if you've been wondering about getting into the business. Is it worth becoming a salesperson? Is it worth getting into management? Is it worth getting into flipping, buying rentals? Whatever the subject may be, talk to us. Uh, we are here to help. Studio seventy seven. <laughs> that's and Mike with. Oh, gosh, we're going to get him off of this. Who was idea was it to put him on here? Anyways, we appreciate you listening. Absolutely. Let us know what you think. Again, I am Jared Davis. And this is Galen Parker. And this was RVA Real Estate Talk. If you have a real estate question that you would like to ask Jared or Galen, reach out to them at jared at centralvarealty.com or galen at centralvarealty.com. Who knows? It may even be featured on an upcoming episode. 